0: That's trinityschool.org, Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life, transform the world.
1: This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years, and not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured, not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
0: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
2: Experience the music and her story.
0: Know like this. I ain't no spy scale.
2: Like never before.
0: That's my daughter. That's my Amy.
2: On the big screen.
0: I want to be remembered just
2: being me. Amy Winehouse Back to Black directed by Sam Taylor Johnson rated R under 17 not a minute without parent only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step you're going to make it count for your career, for your family for your life.
3: What's hey. the word, homie? You know, I'm a big fall guy. I love pumpkin spice. I love you walking do. through falling leaves. Mm-hmm. You know, the colors start to yeah. change. Yep. What do you say this fall? We all they- get together as buddies. huh? And we uh-huh. spend like seven or eight hours talking about the crack epidemic, the CIA, Iran-Contra, the Gary Webb story that broke it all that then had him hounded into self-destruction by the CIA and the New York Times. What, what if we just did that? for the first
4: entire week of October. Wouldn't that be a hoot? I feel like I feel like this would be a good time cuz it kind of matches all the stuff that kind of happens mm-hmm. when we sit around the table anyway. Mm-hmm. We we'll mm-hmm. just talk about crack.
0: What should yeah. what should we what should we call what should we call this?
3: Well, you know, the Germans have a holiday during this period in time and yeah. I feel like if it's German we're allowed to co-opt it.
4: So, Fair. why don't we call it Cracktoberfest? Listen, I'm with it, you know what I'm saying? crack mm-hmm. cracktober, because Oktoberfest to me is it's a little too late a hosing for my mm-hmm. uh, for my yes. blood. You know what I'm saying?
3: There will be there will be no leader hosing, <laughs> but there will be Whatever CIA agents wear, honestly, probably like Patagonia vests and khaki slacks. Yeah, khaki slacks, Patagonia vests. (laughs) Yeah, hell of a lot of those. Um, Well, this is serving as a general introduction to the series. Prop, you have done a blistering two-parter on the Iran-Contra scandal. I am covering the crack epidemic and the CIA and all sorts of good stuff. And, um, but I think people yeah. are going to be happy. I think you're all going to have a good eight ish hours learning about everything there is to know about how the CIA actually, cause like, it, that's like the thing everybody like says joking, like jokingly says yes. like the CIA brought crack to the inner cities. Like there's an actual story there and it's actually kind of worse than, than, than just like the, yeah. the quick summaries
4: people give it's worse than the street lore it yeah. really is what you get into it and mm-hmm. I have really felt like you know we're always looking for ways to collab you know what I'm saying there's a, yeah. obviously there's a lot of mutual friendship symbioticness between our two uh, yeah, podcasts I, I but I it was like shows so there's that we <laughs> share a Sophie uh but I I feel like finding that perfect Venn diagram that perfect. You know, meme of the two guys holding hands. Yeah. What, what movie is that that's from? Rambo, right? Mm-hmm. Commando. What movie is that from? Some Rocky. Movie. Oh,
3: that—that's from Predator, actually. It's from
4: Predator. I knew it was one of them. But Arnold is
3: from Commando, so it's yes. understandable. Okay, so You're it's close. from Predator.
4: Yeah, when they that perfect like where both our stories meet, it, it couldn't have met better than the crack epidemic she was having it right now, and how we even got there perfect perfect storm and uh so this so 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 this is episode one of five because we're gonna be doing cracktoberfest all week and you can listen to all five episodes either and you they're available in the hood politics feed and the behind the bastards feed listen to them uh wherever you get your podcast yeah so i officially uh apologize to all the other podcasts you listen to you can go ahead and uh go to those fees now and tell him yeah, you unsubscribe them just, just burn them off of your week. phone
3: in fact throw that old phone away get a new phone keep it pure just Specifically politics and just bastards for this. yeah exactly all right all right here's Let's go. What's mandatory, my minimums? I'm Robert Evans, host of Be Behind the Bastards. Wow, wow. That was
4: powerful, powerful. Prop. What's up, man? How are you doing? How are you doing, buddy? Hey, homie, you know what I'm saying? Trickling down quick in the Reaganomics over here, you feel me? Mmm. beautiful. Now, Prop, yes. this
3: is our special week. We had it. We, we did this introduction in the last one. I'm not sure which of these episodes we're going to introduce it on. But you and I are tackling the crack epidemic, the CIA, Iran-Contra, all of which are individual stories that are fucking wild and all of which also kind of deserve to be told together because they, they're
4: interwoven. Just a bowl of gumbo of bastards, yeah. man. Yeah. Which I feel yeah, like is, is t- like the perfect... Uh, a perfect analogy because mm-hmm. everything in gumbo is great by itself. Yeah, and then when yeah, you put exactly. it together, it's still amazing. Yeah,
3: that's what I think. When I think about the crack epidemic, yes. I think, "Wow,
4: that was great by itself.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's perfectly fine by itself without anything yeah. else around it." Yes, a a plus,
3: um, prop. Yeah how how do you how do you how do you feel about cr- cr- crack? Hmm. Man that doesn't seem like the uh, right way to start this. Um man,
4: uh, <laughs> let's, it, let's let's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's what crack it's so interesting how it went from like uh there was a time where it was like hip hop was con- I feel like it's one of the proof proof of concept that if hip hop is given the right information it does the right thing cuz it was it was the butt of a joke to be like you do crack don't do crack crack is whack you know uh and then the self-destruction and we're all in the same game was about like you know you shouldn't do crack you know and then <laughs> all so there was a moment where crack was terrible in in our in our culture or the butt of every joke and then the crack sellers became all the rappers and then it was just yeah it became the coolest thing to sell crack right and uh <laughs> it was like yeah but i'm a crack dealer like oh Wait, so it's cool again? Yeah. But you're not supposed to do crack. You're supposed to sell yeah. it. Yeah.
3: I, I think maybe a, a place I might want to start here is, do you recall the first time you learned, like, is that it about, like, crack? The first time I anyone do remember mentioned the, it to you? Yes. The first time, yeah, you you had a talk about it with anyone.
4: I do remember the time. I do remember all the after-school specials. I remember all of the, like, you know, sort of the... Dare program, all the stuff around crack, but I think really, it was whether it was the movie New Jack Swing, I mean, not New Jack Swing, New Jack City. um, but really, it was like being in Los Angeles and like, what is wrong with that guy, like, and just like seeing what a crackhead was and being like, yo, this is different. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, at young, as young of a child as I was, like a very young child during this time, like really, really like baby, but just being like, this is, this is different, you know? Uh, so I think my, and then just be, somebody explaining, oh, that's crack. You, you know, you smoke it like this or you shoot it up. You know what I'm saying? It just people figuring out like what that was. I remember my first syringe, you're stepping over my first syringe which isn't crack per se but like a crack pipe and just knowing what all that stuff was was like yo this is bad matter of fact now that i'm talking i know i know you there's a lot but now that i'm talking my neighbor dang i haven't thought about this in years so we grew up you know in the part of town i was in my my neighbor you know um like I said, I grew up in like Cholo neighborhood. So like my neighbor, they were, you know, in the life, hardcore whatever, but they were, just, they were just some of the most loving like people, whatever, right? So anyway, they moved, right? And when they moved, um, for whatever reason, the next family that came in, I remember didn't turn the electricity on. And like, they never turned on any of the like utilities. And I just remember being like, oh, that's weird. And then the two little boys who were a little bit younger than me used to always come over like right at dinner time, like, you know what I'm saying? And just all the, and like, they always smelled a little bit, like they weren't clean or whatever. And my parents would like, my parents knew what was going on. I didn't know what was going on, but my parents knew what was going on. They would let them in. They'd be like, dang, okay, they they ain't feed them no more. You know, and then once they put it all together, it, and then, you know, again, people all hours of the night going in and out the house. And then finally I realized I live next door to a crack house. (laughs) it it was like it was this slow roll of like wait what like why do why do they why do they have so many candles it's like oh it's kind of camping they cook with candles you know and just yeah and then just realize power yeah yeah like no it's crack
3: yeah yeah i mean and obviously for me it was a much more distant thing right crack was a thing that like number one crack was before anything else for me, uh-huh. like a euphemism. Yeah. For like, something is addictive or also someone is silly, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're, crack you're cracked out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crack, po- or um, crack pot, yeah. And it was, I, the adults talked about crack like it was a plague, like it was a disease that had hit mm. certain areas. And uh-huh. the kids talked about crack like it was a euphemism, right? It yeah. was like a, yeah, just kind of an a, a explanative term that you could throw in. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you're smoking crack, bro. We're gonna s- talk today about The crack epidemic and how it happened and what happened as a result of it. All cocaine type drugs, all cocaine derived drugs, which include crack, good old fashioned blow, also tinctures of cocaine, which is how people used to take it back in the past, come from the leaves of the coca tree. Um, And the coca tree grows mostly in Colombia, Bolivia and Peru. Mm. on their own naturally the leaves can be chewed generally with something like potash for a mild to moderate stimulating effect with a little bit of euphoria thrown in for good measure i've gotten to chew coca leaves on a couple of occasions and it's very nice it's a really mm. pleasant and it's also pretty hard to have be a problematic drug you 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 should think about coca the way we think about pot or the way we think about like opium poppies yeah. right um, opium poppies on their own. Some people do have problems with that as a more serious drug, but it's nothing compared to what happens when you start making heroin, right? Yeah. Or morphine. Yeah. Marijuana, as it grows naturally, almost impossible to hurt yourself with. Yeah. Then now people start making it into shatter and stuff and they're blowing up trailer parks and, yeah. and burning their brains out and shit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of the way to think about the way, and this is the way in which indigenous people used cocoa, one of them for probably thousands of years, yeah. right? Um, I know it, we have evidence of coca use going back and as it, it, as long, pretty much as long as there have been people in the area. Yeah,
4: probably. it's 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 got to be the most like naive thing to think that like you know these just plants that just grew outside that yeah somebody didn't chew it and go yeah. ooh you know and 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 that that was just a normal part of life and maybe the roles of shamans and prophets and they've probably been chewing wild plants forever yeah it's the same thing with you know
3: the coffee which which comes from ethiopia the oromo people were kind of the first people using the coffee plant Mm -hmm. a big part of what a a major way it was used is for like hunters right to keep you going during the hunt that's probably a big part of how cocoa leaf was used early on. Yeah. It's like, right? We're out in the we're out in the woods or the jungle or whatever for a couple of weeks, you know, this yeah. shit'll keep us moving. Um, it wow. also, this is interesting, most people don't know this. Cocoa leaf is an oral anesthetic. It numbs your mouth. So we Ooh, one of the that. things that's always been kind of interesting is that in a lot of kind of Latin American areas, you have early history of of pretty advanced dental work being done in some areas. And maybe that Dang. had an a, impact on it, the fact that they had access to a really effective oral anesthetic. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's it's actually a real—it's fucking amazing plant, obviously. Like, cocaine. yeah. It, it, it gets a bad fucking rap. Bec- well, Novocaine yeah, comes like, from the coca leaf. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Yeah, Novocaine and he cocaine. Didn't get the, he didn't get yeah. the song yeah. reference It's okay. Were doing. It's okay. I did. I didn't did. did. get the song reference, but I'm glad that you brought up Novocaine because yeah. we get Novocaine from the coca leaf. See, um, yeah, it's just it's a bafflingly useful plant, yeah. um, and it's the the root of novocaine and lidocaine and crack cocaine. Um, <laughs> they all come from the same Mars. thing, right? Um, what kind so of cane Europe- you want? Yeah, exactly. Nova, <laughs> we got coca. all sorts of canes. Yeah, <laughs> um, Europeans really figured out what was up with coca in 1855. They'd noticed people in the areas they were colonizing using it for a while. Um, but it wasn't until 1855 that pure cocaine was extracted from the leaves for the first time. Mm. Again, you've got this bafflingly useful plant that's doing great stuff. And then some white people come in and are like, you know what we could do? Make a drug that makes people insufferable at parties out of this. Let's, we're going to
4: ruin a lot of raves. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's take this. Uh, yeah, no, nah, you already you, you nailed the joke already. There's no other way to yeah, go. Yeah, that. yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah, it.
3: Yeah. If you're going to snort a drug at a party, kids, ketamine's a lot better. Anyway, uh, so obviously cannot, the fact that
4: they're not <laughs> co-signed
3: officially. <laughs> yeah, legally, no one is co-signing that. Yes. So this is a huge moment in medical science, obviously. Like I joked about them ruining it, but actually a lot of really cool. Number one, cocaine, there are some, were some early medical uses for it. We get anesthetics like Novocaine and Lidocaine. This is a big deal. And we yeah. don't talk, again, this is something that people don't think about, but it was not, we're, we're, we're at about like 150 years or so of effective anesthetics being yeah. widespread available, right? That is not a thing in surgery prior to this. If you don't live in a place where there's a good natural oral anesthetic um, and there's a couple cocaine, coca is not the only one. Also, um, yeah. kava, which uh-huh. uh, Hawaiian uh, yeah. people, I believe, have been using, Polynesian people have been using for a long time, works really well for that purpose. But if you don't live somewhere with that plant and you need a tooth taken out, you're probably downing half a handle of liquor, and then someone's ripping a bone yeah. out of your skull, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Then you're then you're looking it's, like a
4: medieval movie. Yeah, I really, it's real gnarly. Yeah, yeah, I was listening to a, uh, uh, um, uh, I think what was that? A uh, what kind of pod was that? Uh, Radio Lab, the science one from uh, WMIC. But anyway, they were talking about like figuring out molecules for new medicines and stuff, right? So if you figure this thing out um you know you're also looking at like side effects so like the difference between like a poison like a narcotic or a medicine you know what i'm saying or poison and one of the researchers from china was like well they're just molecules like you know and that that bifurcation the difference between like a good molecule and a bad molecule is like it's a very new and sort of western way to look at this it's like they all have strengths and weaknesses you know what I'm saying, and ways to abuse and not abuse, you know, so even the way way that you're talking about, you know, the coca leaf is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure somebody, you know, in the ancient past, like, chew that thing, and then his buddy was like, hey, bro, you gotta chill, man, you know what I'm saying, and, uh, you know, and it was like, yeah, man, that was a little too far, you know what I'm saying, like, there has to have been, because, again, I feel like, The point you're making at this stage in in the story is you can't stress enough it's just a plant it's just Just, a plant and and at some point some people figure out how to like supercharge it right
3: and so at the same time as you get these early anesthetics you start getting pure cocaine yeah right usually sold as a tincture so you just get a fucking dropper of cocaine water right you can now. You can shoot that stuff up. It, a lot of people injected it. I believe Sherlock Holmes injected cocaine. Yeah. I think with heroin. Um, this is what guys like Freud are doing, right? Yeah. Most of them are not doing lines. Yeah. You know, um, they are they are taking it as a pure like distilled tincture. You can pick this shit up at the at the drugstore. Um, Now, this causes problems because cocaine is incredibly addictive Um, and also not great for your body, especially if you're taking it a lot of it every single day because a doctor told you it's good for you. That actually hurts you a lot, right? (laughs) You can chew coca leaves all day long and it's you're probably not. Well, not all day long, but you can chew coca leaves on a regular basis. And you're not dealing with too huge of a problem. You're doing cocaine every day. People are going to notice because it's going to destroy you. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think people so are going to notice the government, like, all the time. They're yeah, it's going to be
4: like, hey man, you know, I mean, I'm just
1: yeah. doing my. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you're going to get really into White Snake, and yeah, then your heart's going to explode. Hey, bro, so we should make an album. Hey, man, hey, pro- yeah. We should make an album. You want to make an album tonight? <laughs> nah, fam. Let's cut. We we, we got to bring back fucking prog rock, man. Yeah. That's what I want to fucking hear right now. <laughs> Um, so Europeans, 1855 we get cocaine. 1914 is when the US government decides, all right, that's enough. That's enough yeah. cocaine all being right. available. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta lock this one up. So we get the Harrison Act. Um, and and that makes it that's that restricts the sale of cocaine, right? It makes it a lot harder to get. People aren't buying it over the counter anymore. And then in 1922, another law gets passed, which is one of the very first anti-drug laws in the United States that effectively stops legal U.S. extraction of cocaine. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the drug in various forms continued to flow into the United States from Latin America up through its land and sea borders. In the 1970s, cocaine caught on big time as a drug for the rich and the upwardly mobile party set. Oh, yes. Sometime in the late 70s, and obviously... There's a lot of history in other countries, especially in Europe outside of the U.S. I'm focusing on the U.S. here. Sometime in the late 1970s or very early 1980s, we don't exactly know when this happens because it's happening illegally, right? And there's no... If if we had the internet then, you would have a fucking Reddit post the day people figured out how to make fucking crack. But we don't know exactly when it happened. But sometime between the very end of the 1970s and the start of the 1980s, some drug chemists figure out that you can take powdered cocaine and you can dissolve it in water and then mix in baking powder and cook it down into rock-like chunks. Now, this is easy to smoke, which makes it convenient, right? It's yeah. easier to take, but it's also much purer than powder cocaine, right? Which is often 45% filler or more. Crack is around 80% pure. And it's significantly cheaper because of the way you're manufacturing it. Soda, the baking yeah. soda, per- Exactly, the per dose cost is a lot less than it is with cocaine. Yeah. So from kind of similar amounts of raw product, more people can get high more often for less money.
4: So here's where I fill in pop culture for you. Uh so the the legend is that it was a dude in Oakland that figured it out. Oh. Yeah, that's that's the legend. We don't know. That but that's yeah. that's the legend, right? And once uh you know, once it hit Cali with through like Freeway Rick and and just some and of it f- starts to hit in and Cali. It starts first. it hits hard and ruins the Crips and Bloods. But uh that's yeah. just but we'll get to that. Um but I think what you're talking about as far as how to make crack, all of half of the the slang that gets appropriated from hip hop into the zeitgeist or comes out of black culture is actually it's crack slang. So like cooking in the yeah. kitchen you know, chef, yeah. you know, a chef spin, look at the flick of the wrist. All of that is about spinning crack yeah. over, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's I, all crack for, slang. You know what I mean? A huge piece of
3: internet slang right now that yeah. Garrison and I say probably more than is good for our health is based, right? It's like crack. that's the yes. term. It's yes. exactly. It comes from freebase, right? It's like that's where the origin. Yes yes and briefly the right wing tried to take it in order to mean like ideologically pure and now yeah. it's just a general term for cool yes because it's been and Lil, kind of retained, b, being yeah. Yeah. Lil yeah. b being the base god yeah yeah little b being the base god like
4: all these things have like i think it's gonna happen as this is going like i'm gonna keep yeah. pointing out rap lyrics to you to be or just no. th- slang and being like that's about crack
3: yeah it is great and it, I, I really love that you point this out because from a a from a from a cultural standpoint, crack is like on the level of the Simpsons
4: in terms of how it's influenced the way people talk and refer to things. Yes, where rappers, Um, where people call it rappers, athletes, they call themselves chefs because they're Mm -hmm. cooking in the kitchen, which is where you make crack. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So I want to quote from the New
3: York Times here to kind of go over the economics of this new drug as it starts to hit the market. Quote, the $10 sale price made crack accessible to poor people who could never have come up with 200 or more that affluent users paid for a gram of powder. Yes. Crack produced an intense but fleeting high that pushed many users to buy again and again until they ran out of money. And that is one of the things about crack is that like it hits harder and faster, as is generally the case when you freebase something. Than railing it, or insufflating, to use the scientific, insufflation is the scientific term for snorting something. Um, Tell me something. Like, so for example, if you're taking like a powdered hallucinogen or a psychedelic, like a 2C or something, Uh um, if you eat it in a pill, right, which is the way most people take that sort of drug, it could take an hour for you to come up. If you snort it, it comes up much faster, and then, like if you're actually freebasing something, and I don't think you can freebase most of those drugs, although I don't know that anyone's tried, But freebasing hits you faster. Like, for example, DMT, which Mm -hmm. is the drug, you know, that all of the the tech gurus talk about. Yeah. The way in which they tend to take it in, like, the ceremonies that they're kind of co-opting from indigenous Latin Americans as ayahuasca. Yeah. You're drinking it as a tea. It takes a while to come up. You vomit a lot. Yeah. But you can also basically you can basically freebase DMT yeah. if you just take the straight crystals out and you turn it into a crystal and you smoke it in a crack pipe and it hits right the fuck away yeah
4: but it's much shorter right yeah most um, of my uh most of the people that I do know that either got hooked and got off that you could communicate with you know what I'm saying who figured out a way fought their way through to get off the stuff that's what they say they were like there's honestly there is nothing like that hit it is yeah. so fast and so intense and that's why you get hooked immediately and you'll give up everything for it because he's like they like the homies would explain to me it's like i'm glad i'm off it now but i'm telling you that high that first high you know what i'm saying it's like you never really reach that other high that high again but that first high they're like you're there's there are no words for it It, it, that's why it's so
3: i mean you also i I do want to focus on the economics here because another thing is that not only is the high so intense, oh, it's but cheap. it's achievable. It's achievable. So you're looking at, num- if you've got, if you're someone who uses cocaine and you're looking at, well, it's going it, to, a, a night of coke is going to be 200 bucks, right? Yeah. Well, you're probably not going to do that. Some people do get that addicted, but for most people it's like, oh, okay, so I will occasionally buy 200 bucks in cocaine for a night to party. Yeah. Cracks ten bucks a hit. Yeah, I was gonna say know? it's ten dollars a hit. It gets cheaper. Yeah. That and that's how it is, That's how cheap it is at the start. It gets a hell of a lot cheaper. So that's something. You're having a bad day. Shit's rough. You're feeling bad. You know, any time for pocket dollars, you can fucking On hit any that high again, Right? Yeah. Any corner. On any corner. Get this yeah. Shit. Obviously, this becomes a problem. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, so obviously, this of course leads to overdoses. Um, another problem is that it is actually kind of hard, unless you're being really ridiculous with cocaine, to overdose just by snorting it with actual, like, quality cocaine. It's harder to do that than it is smoking freebase because you can burn a shitload of crack really fast, right? And it's difficult for you to tell what you're getting. And the cooking, like, you know, the, 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 the strength can vary and stuff. So people start accidentally consuming a lot more of the drug than they'd been used to obviously the other issue is that smoking freebase is so much harsher on the body than just inhaling powder you know it's not good for you obviously Mm -hmm. to snort cocaine and there's issues like deviated septum and stuff health issues you get from that but you're not ruining your lungs when you're smoking when you're when you're inhaling cocaine Mm -hmm. right it's not good for you but you're not destroying your lungs in addition to fucking with your heart crack is it's 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 all the worst parts of cigarettes and all of the worst parts of cocaine supercharged it's, right you, so you it, just, it yeah. ages you
4: yeah. yeah there yeah like that that used to be like for for me one of the biggest like deterrents wasn't mm. them, it wasn't none of them uh commercials it wasn't a song it was the site of yeah. someone you went to school with that now looks like your grandparent and it yeah. and it was just and the fact that like and just that nothing else mattered. Like, how are you you're just sitting it, like if you ever hopefully, Robert, you've never walked into a crack house. Now, I don't know if that's true, <laughs> but hopefully <laughs> maybe it's some maybe somewhere in Prague knowing your ass. But like uh out here, like the site it's it is probably the most heartbreaking sight you can imagine because you're just like i know these i know y'all like you uh, how did you become this
3: yeah yeah so i i think the point that we built to here is that crack is indeed a hell of a drug yes um yes (laughs) and uh, obviously people get better very quickly get better at making it i think you you know I, i i there's no proving where it came from Oakland's a pretty good guess in terms of the first yeah. people to figure that this shit out. Uh-huh. That 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 make would make total sense to me. Yeah. Obviously, the Bay Area is where innovation comes. I mean, from. all <laughs> innovation, right? You know, resistance, everything. Yeah. 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 Um But you know who else is constantly innovating? Ooh, dealers? The sponsors dealers. of this podcast.
4: Well, yes, the pharmaceutical in, companies, aka drug yep. dealers.
3: Yeah. 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 And in a much also. The thing I don't want to be doing here is like demonizing, and we'll talk more about this, is demonizing crack because it is addictive. It is a drug that has serious physical consequences. Yeah. There's nothing about crack cocaine that is worse than painkillers, than like, than oxy There's or hydrocodone, difference. right? Yes. Right? There's no and, difference. And
4: yeah, yeah. And when we get to In, the anyway. jail sentences, we could There's talk about There's a big about, difference. Yes, we could yeah. talk about why that's so problematic. Yeah. yeah.
3: We'll be talking about that now, but first... Here's the crack of products for you. Uh, 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 uh. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. Wow, how have I been living like this? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless, when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Wow, how have I been affording this? It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
0: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. it just
2: being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
0: Ah,
3: oh, we're back. So, there's a lot of misinformation and moral panic. And it, it is tough to kind of seriously talk about how fucking gnarly crack is yeah. for a lot of people. Um, and also not go to the moral panic shit that you get about it. Yeah. Which is Which is what we're about to talk about now. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk, before we start talking about the crack epidemic and the moral panic it causes, I want to talk about the struggles that black American families were going through as the 1970s gave away to the swinging 80s. So from the post-World War One era to the 1960s, black Americans migrated from rural parts of the United States to cities across the United States in unprecedented numbers. This is probably the most significant demographic shift that has ever occurred in the history of the United States. Great it migration. is a huge yeah. fucking thing that happened. Yes, the Great Migration. Uh, and my family is yeah. one of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, and, and yeah. Yeah. Um, So because there's all sorts of bullshit restrictions on where and which are many of which are legally enforced, but a lot of which were just sort of like guys will show up outside of your house and fuck with you and your family if you do this on where you can live as a black person in this period. A lot of the people who are doing this great migration uh, are forced into crowded neighborhoods with underfunded service, obviously prop. Like, <laughs> yeah, elephant in the room, you know all this. Yes. Like, I'm not explaining yeah, it, explaining it, to it to the you the for the first yeah. time. Right, right. this is a this thing is to go audience. over because yeah. it's, yeah, it's history that for certain I didn't encounter yeah. in school in, in, in anything more than the Vegas terms. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't want to feel
4: like I'm not explaining You're this not to explaining you. are not explaining anything no. to me. We're, we're giving yeah. hey, yeah. Did you know? Yeah. Hey, did you know that this happened to you? Yeah. Yes, I do yeah. know. Our, um, yeah, like, our, again, to add some color to this, like, you'll probably get to this also too, but like, my family... You know, uh, my father's side. How we got to California was was through Texas, and that was and and traditionally between Texas and Oklahoma, most families from there probably got there uh, because of the the chance to become a cowboy. You know, where you could work for yourself, and that was you know almost all yeah. of ninety percent of a boot Ameri- on your neck. Yeah, ninety percent right. of American cowboys were actually free slaves. You know, and then. And then from there, we all went to Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Diego because of these these uh, housing projects, like the Watts Towers that that right. these housing vouchers that brought specifically Jason Petty's family to California. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's like
3: that's what happens to most uh, to to a huge chunk yeah. of people, and. They get forced into these neighborhoods like Watts, yeah. right? And and there's other neighborhoods in other parts of the United. Because this is this is happening a lot in, yeah. in Southern California. This is also happening just a shitload. And the place it's primarily happening to is like the Eastern it's Seaboard the east, yeah, and, yeah. and chunks of the mid chunks of the urban Midwest, yeah. right? Great Lakes region and stuff. Minneapolis, you know, this is when all of this is happening. Mm-hmm. And across the board, these black families are being forced into not just these crowded neighborhoods with underfunded services, but low paid, insecure industrial jobs. Often they're being brought in to deal with because unionized white workers are Mm -hmm. too expensive, right? So they're being brought in as as strike breakers and stuff. And this is, and then as soon as that happens, right? You have, so you have that being done by these capitalists and then we get NAFTA, right? So suddenly what jobs they had start to fall out from under right? Um, As manufacturing and shit moves across the border. Um, it's also worth noting that a ton of these, of, of the, particularly the black men working these industrial jobs are doing so in dangerous, like it, it being exposed to like deadly chemicals, yeah. like in horrific ways that would have been, ali- that were illegal, but it happened, yeah. you know? Um, so while all this is going on, white families are considering their, you know, flight to suburban areas mm-hmm. at, at, an unprint that takes off too. Oh yes. Um, And, you know, these suburban houses that cost about as much as three good lunches do today, they start moving into an accumulating wealth. They they go up hundreds of thousands of dollars in value by the time the owners reach retirement age. Now, when the civil rights movement uh, wins its major victories, obviously a lot had gotten better for black families. Mm -hmm. But this has what one journal of social welfare paper, paper I read called a, quote, perverse unintended impact on the inner city. And I want to quote from that now. Successful African-Americans moved their families to newly integrated communities, leaving an even higher concentration of poverty in the predominantly African-American inner city. Based on an extensive literature review, Small and Newman, 2001, identified the increasing concentration of poverty during the 1970s and into the 1980s, particularly among African-Americans, as primarily the result of three phenomena. Black middle-class flight continued residential discrimination, especially against less wealthy African-Americans, and the departure of low-skilled jobs from the Northeast and Midwest cities. And again, one of the reasons why this is so devastating is when the black families that make money leave these inner city neighborhoods, because of the way the tax system is set up in the United States, all of the income they had that was going to schools in the inner cities leaves. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a big part of it. So the 1970s are a challenging decade for many people in the United States. Um the economic stagnation and this is across the board, right? This is mm-hmm. why Jimmy Carter loses re-election. The economy yeah. uh, shits the fucking bed. There's gas lines, everything's fucked up. But obviously where everyone is suffering, nobody suffers worse than black people in the inner cities. That is the, the hardest hit region of the country. Yeah. As a more globalized economy ships factory jobs off to foreign countries, advancing technology meant that what good working class jobs remained required computer literacy and other training that folks who'd grown up in economically disadvantaged schools didn't have access to. Right? Um, everything just builds upon itself. So poverty and long-term unemployment are associated with a variety of other negative things. Overcrowded housing, PTSD, teen pregnancy, school dropout, violence, crime, and drug and alcohol abuse. As poverty worsens in the inner cities, all these things grow more common for black families. For a variety of reasons, black kids since emancipation have been more likely than white kids to grow up in a one-parent household. The rate of two-parent households was stable among black families from emancipation up to the 60s it was around 70%, right? Yep. So about 70% of black kids grow up in two-parent households. For white kids it's 90%. So it's lower for black families in in up to the 1960s, but still it's the vast majority of, yeah. of kids, right, are growing up in two-parent households. Once you hit the 70s, that or the six the late 60s really, that number starts to drop like a fucking stone. Mm-hmm. By the mid 1900s, only a third of black american children lived in two-parent households. Yeah. Like that, that I
4: I was unaware of yeah. how fucking sharp that drop had been. Yeah, there's a there's um, there's there's depending on how hotep you are, there's a lot of answers to that. Um, right, right. But I do think that this this moment is so is so pivotal and so underreported um, in the sense that it's like uh, it, so much of our culture now is came out of this moment. So. This is this inner cities you're talking about, especially along the Eastern seaboard. This is the Bronx, the movie, yeah. the movie Warriors, right? Come yeah. out. Of, it's this, it's this moment. It's this overcrowding, underfunding, this city, the, you know, being a city of rubble and that there was, you know, broken down buildings everywhere because if you're a slumlord, it's cheaper to just destroy the building and get the insurance than try to, you know, uh fix it or, 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 um, you know, be a responsible landlord. Just burn it down and just let the rubble happen. Uh, a big power outage in 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 uh, in New York, which is what which actually happened, which is what the movie Warriors takes place in. But it's ultimately it is this moment that DJ Cool Herc from 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 Jamaica yeah. moves over. To, you know what I'm saying? And plugs his turntable into a power yeah. line and does the first park jam which creates mm-hmm. hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was out of this time. This is what creates all this shit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was this moment, and it was... But it's important to understand. It's like, oh, yeah, it was cool. They were throwing parties in the park. Well, they were living in rubble. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it, we were it, forced to, with, with no music programs in our schools, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Nothing. There was nothing provided. No money for that. There's no but money. And it's also... Yeah.
3: You talk about the rubble. It's not just, and I want to really hit on this because this ties directly back into crack. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, shady landlords. It's not just that things are underfunded. It's that we talk about this in our Robert Moses episodes. Black neighborhoods are bulldozed in a bunch, literally bulldozed in a bunch of countries, sometimes with like the military essentially helping to do it in order to make way for shit like overpasses um, that effectively then walls those areas off from the rest of the cities. And what's important here, why I'm going over this, is that this is a 30-ish year, you know, obviously it goes back further than that, yeah. but this specific process, um, all of these things, these these massive drops in wealth, um, this this collapse of, of, you know, the rate of two-parent households in the black community, all of these things are the result of 30, 40-year-long trends, yeah. right? Where things happen very steadily over that period. They hit their height right as crack becomes a thing, mm-hmm. And so all of them get blamed on crack, yeah. right? Because it's easy to say that, well, this community, all these black people got hooked on crack and that's why everything fell apart. Shit was falling apart due to specific policy decisions for yes. decades and it hit its height during the crack epidemic. Yes. And that that's critical to know. Otherwise you're going to wind up blaming crack for everything. Uh-huh. And it's not to blame for everything. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it's, it just is not. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, it sure doesn't help, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, it does not no, reverse any the of these trends. <laughs> but that that's like, if it's like a, somebody has a heart attack while they're, it, 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 like, during a fucking run, and then you hit them in the head when they finish it, and it's like, well, you know, they were having problems before you hit them on the head. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. That's a bad way to, that's a stupid way to describe it. No, but it, I feel but you. I, I, I don't know. We're getting somewhere. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, uh, during... We're going to be talking about crack today, obviously, and it plays a role in this. But again, this is this is going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I want to quote again from that paper I read from earlier. Social policy may have inadvertently contributed to the decline in marriage uh, during the 1960s. Many states denied AFDC payments aid to families with dependent children. The single mothers suspected of living with a man. These types of eligibility requirements were struck down by the Supreme Court in 1968. However, even under the revised welfare policy, poor couples had an incentive to cohabit instead of marry in order to maintain welfare eligibility. And there's a this is one of the things because one of the things that crack gets blamed for is the destruction of the of the black family, all of these black men who abandoned their families, right? This is the this is the right-wing line on what happens. And no, in the 1960s, 20 years before we've got crack on the street. U.S. states are denying aid to families to single mothers who are suspected of living with a man. And what usually happens before marriage is you cohabitate, right? Um, So
4: suddenly you're penalized for that if you're not already married. See, that's what Um, I meant by like, depending on how hotep you are, because that's in in a lot of like the black, like a lot of the black activist circles is like, that was a process of demasculating and devaluing the black man even further yeah. by being like, uh, well, if y'all need help, you can't have no daddy in the house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, well, dang. And then what they talk about among our community is like what it might have done to our psyche. Not, I don't think this is very fair, but their argument is what it's done to our psyche to look at our women and be like, you chose the check over me. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's a, that's a very that's a very manosphere way to look at it. But that being said, the idea that, like, it do kind of feel like the government pitted us against each other.
3: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. and that, that move right there, a strong case can be made. Yes. It does a lot more damage than crack, yes. right? Yes. There's a really good documentary. If people want to know more about this and, like, the kind of the human side of this called the pruitt Igo myth. Uh, Pruitt-Igo was a government housing development in St. Louis mm-hmm. um, during this kind of period of time, I think 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. and that documentary does a good job of explaining how the way in which benefits were handled um, led to the dissolution of a lot of families and like kind of incentivized that. It, it, it's a very dark story, but I, I, that documentary I found I felt did a really good job of it. Um, so obviously. The cause of all of these problems is complicated and goes on for a while. But where the credit comes, as far as the media is concerned and as far as U.S. politicians are concerned, all of this is the fault of crack cocaine, which starts to enter U.S. inner city communities in 1981, primarily in Southern California. Although where it would take off the most and do the most damage is the huge, dense cities of the Northeast, places like fucking Baltimore, Mm -hmm. right? Um, so crack is immediately big business. A lot of it gets sold to people who live, who live in these communities. But, and this is often ignored, much if not most of the money comes from people who lived elsewhere, outside of the inner city, often in more affluent areas, who would drive into inner city communities to buy crack. And what this actually is, means, uh, there's a graph going around Twitter right now that shows where money moves within kind of a graph of an urban area. Uh-huh. And it all comes from the inner city out to the suburbs. Yeah. Right? Because where are the people who live, who own the buildings yeah. that poor people in the inner city live out in the fucking suburbs, yeah. right? So one of the things that crack represents is money coming from affluent suburbs and entering the Staying inner here. city, yeah, right? Nothing else is doing, there's no way, yeah. like really not other meaningful ways. Money is coming from outside into the inner city. Yeah. So. That's part of why this is a big deal. We've talked about how negative the impact is on people, but one of the things this means is that there's fucking money coming in now. Um, So, of course, the fortunes to be made meant that a lot of money was on the table for people who were willing to be more violent than other people who wanted that money. So you do get a lot of, as there always is when cash is on the table in those quantities, murders over matters of profit and to keep their operations safe from the police yeah um there are of course significant social costs due to the use of the drugs there's people who neglect their kids and mistreat their partners and spend money that are needed for other things but narcotics um and the stat- statistics on this are pretty bleak and i don't want to stray away from those either so i'm going to quote from a uh, an analysis in chicago booth university quote The rise in crack use from 1984 to 1989 is associated with a doubling of the number of murdered black males aged 14 to 17, a 30% increase for those aged 18 to 24, and a 10% increase for those 25 and over. Thus, crack accounts for much of the observed variation in homicide rates over this time period. In addition, the proportion of black children in foster care more than doubled. Fetal death rates and weapons arrests of blacks rose by more than 25%, and black babies with low birth weights increased by 5%. Now, this is really bad, but what what's happening in the media as this massive murder surge happens is crack is being associated as a drug that makes people murder, yeah. right? A drug that makes
4: people lose their mind. That is not what is no, occurring. No, it's not. It's It's- The money. Yes, it's normal <laughs> economics that happens everywhere else. It's really like, what you're explaining, I think, again, is like, if you just under just an understanding of economics in general, like what we're doing is this is an influx of venture capital. You know why? Like what funded it's like, you're going to go to the bank and let them white boys tell, you no. you know what I'm saying? You're going to keep, you have to keep, you know, dressing up and kind of shucking and jiving for these people to come invest in your things. Or it's like, you go get it out the mud, you go get it, go get it on your own corner. You invest in your own. So the thought was like, I mean, I mean, it's literally the nar- it's the narrative of every Jay Z's album, right? Is like I invested in myself. How I did it is I sold crack, got out the game, and invested in us. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. It's it's Nipsey Hustle. It's like so. Like you said, like you can have this media narrative of like you know, oh, this is terrible. You did it on the backs of each other, which might be true. You know what I'm saying? But that being said, it's like where else is there any other influx of capital that? right that is self-generated and that i don't owe and it's like where i mean where you where you think where you think we got that from we got it from the mafia like yeah you you learn from the mafia that's what they did you know what i'm saying so it's like oh well that's okay that's how you get it that way you don't ask nobody
3: else you keep it in the family you know what i mean and it's it's uh this is i mean again the the point that we're making here is that Crack, there are specific things. And and as we'll talk about, like, babies with low birth weights, yes. that's a that's a part of that. There are specific problems that are just due to the inherent, chem- like, characteristics of crack. Yeah. But the massive increase in murders and the proportion of kids who go into foster care, in large part because they've lost parents, um, that is due, the thing that has entered the community that has caused that violence is fucking cash. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what, when we're, the crack epidemic is a fucking... Yeah. Cash epidemic. Yeah. It's a gold rush, yes. right?
4: That's the way to put like, it. It's a gold rush. Yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. um So this is all fucked up. But obviously, one of probably even debatably the thing that winds up being most toxic from all of this is the moral panic that follows. A 1985 article, and this is where the moral panic over crack starts, there is a 1985 article in the New England Journal of Medicine, which goes viral among the media of the time, which is just starting to kind of transition into the 24-hour news cycles Mm -hmm. that we've got now, right? We're in the early stages of that with TV media. Mm -hmm. The author of this article is a guy named Dr. Ira Chasnoff, and he claimed, based on a couple of cases, that children of mothers who used crack were smaller, sicker, and less social than other infants. Now, to his credit, Chasnoff is like, hey, we only have a few people in this study. This is very small. It is imperfect. This is, I'm doing this because I think there might be a problem. And this small batch study means that we should do a larger study to determine if there is a serious population-wide problem, right? Which is how you do science. I don't think he's doing anything wrong Mm -hmm. here. But the problem, and this is, again, an early, we start seeing this stuff. We've all lived through this shit the last couple of years, right, with these... You get these little studies about, oh, Ivermectin or whatever. There's this, and then suddenly that gets blown up to a bunch of guys, people taking fucking fish medicine or whatever, and and there's people dying and stuff. Um, This is one of the first times that happens because nobody listens to Chasnoff being like, so this is a really tiny study and we need to do more research before we draw any conclusions. No, they lose their fucking minds. Crack babies, yes. By the way, the people losing their minds are the goddamn, the mainstream media. Uh, the legacy media. And I'm going to quote from the fucking New York Times here. As a medical writer, Harriet Washington wrote of this period in her book Medical Apartheid, Dr. Chasnoff's provisional research was swallowed whole, then regurgitated in a racialized form by newspaper, magazine, and even medical accounts. Americans were told on the nightly news that crack exposure in the womb destroyed the unique brain functions that distinguish human beings from animals, an observation that no one had connected to the chemically identical powdered form of the drug that affluent whites were shoveling up their noses. The legal scholar Dorothy Roberts argues in her reproductive history, Killing the Black Body, that by focusing on maternal use of a drug associated with black people, the press promoted the notion that the monstrous crack-smoking mother was typical of black women yeah and uh this is where the real hurting starts yeah. this is what actually this is crack gnarly drug a lot of people get hurt because chemically what crack does the money that comes in brings a lot of murder with it the thing that's most devastating is right here yeah. it comes as a result of this fucking
4: moral pain yeah the crack ain't the bastard yeah. of the story
3: no no it sure <laughs> is bastard not adjacent um yeah, yeah <laughs> it's it's adjacent to the yes. bastard and you know what's adjacent to behind the bastards?
4: Hood politics. The pro-
3: well, hood politics it's uh, deeply intertwined, especially this week. Yeah, uh, but also the products and services products that and support services, baby. this podcast. So, check this out and purchase things. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Me.
1: That's chumbacasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: Uh, too late? We have returned. What a five dollar huh?
1: crack giveaway.
4: <laughs> Sorry, little Dave's bell reference. Uh, bound to
3: yeah. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so um, I want to continue that quote from the New York Times yeah. about kind of how how this all works. Legal scholar Dorothy Roberts argues in her history, Killing the Black Body, that all this focus on the specific danger to black babies helped push a notion of the monstrous crack-smoking mother in the media. Washington Post columnist Charles Krauthammer, famous for having never once been right, (laughs) wrote a popular column in which he alleged that black women were spawning a bio-underclass of impaired children, whose biological inferiority is stamped at birth. Crowdhammer wrote, The dead babies may be the lucky ones. Oh my God. Yeah. This guy still gets paid to write shit. Oh, man. Fucking Charles Crowdhammer. Again, never been right in his yeah. entire life. What kind of name <laughs> is that? Let me not drag Fucking him. For stupid his name. Fuck him. Yeah, but um, anyway. Yeah. I, I Trash. Just, uh, again, when you, are, when you write the words bio underclass. Yeah, come on, fam. You should wonder, am I doing a phrenology? Have I just have I just started? Have I I reinvented race science as a moral panic? Yeah, maybe that's not. Am I doing the thing that men in wigs did a hundred years ago? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um. Yes, you are, Charles Krauthammer. Yes, man. So, yeah. Um. I yeah anyway um all this concern over unborn babies and crack fed nicely into the Christian extremist movement that had gotten Reagan elected again we've talked about this in our episodes on uh, focus on the family on Phyllis Schlafly um this all feeds into each other right this is all happening at the same time you've got the religious right is a thing and they have just now because they started out the religious right gets initially involved because they're angry that schools have been integrated right that Bob Jones University has been forced to take in black people because it gets federal funding um you can't segregate your schools, but that's not popular. So they turn to abortion as like the real yeah. thing to hit. Um, and right as they're really getting the anti-abortion movement churning up, there's all this concern over unborn babies in crack, which which really gels great. Um, and I'm going to quote from The Times again here. News organizations embraced far-fetched ideas like the one advanced by doctors who believed they could discern babies who had been exposed in the womb by the tone of their cries. In 1990, Time Magazine argued that the case for limiting the uh, the rights of women and elevating the rights of fetuses was gaining strength, based on the fact that maternity wards around the country were ringing, quote, with the high-pitched cat cries of crack babies who may face lifelong handicaps as a result of their mother's drug use. Man,
4: there's so so much sinister, like... I I I I mourn like the amount of this we internalized and kind of oh, yeah. like weaponized against each other and just hearing it now so many years later it was like you motherfucker you know what I'm saying and and the reality of like yeah dog like yo this you shouldn't be doing crack while you're pregnant fam you know what I'm saying and like yeah and and just but just all of that sort of together it's just it makes it even more sinister to be like you know we even actually like even among our own community peddled some of this shit you know what i'm saying and that 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 kind of hurts also you know yeah yeah um
3: and this so so this and and this new york times article i'm quoting from is a modern one where they are kind of taking themselves in the past to task for what they did. Oh, that's dope. And the New York Times is a huge, it's dope. It's also like, this isn't the only time that happens, yeah. New York Times. It seems like you guys actually often, because of these fucking opinion columnist assholes yeah. that you bring on, start arguing for like terrible shit that has nightmarish consequences yeah. on the world. And then 20 years later, the the, the good journals will be like, oh, turns out we had a huge fault. Like yeah. the, like we, we were largely responsible Our for bad. this nightmare. Our bad. It's on so, us. So the Times amplifies what gets called the damaged generation theory. Their editorial page argues in 1989 that it's going to cost more than $700 million to prepare 20-ish thousand children in the state of Florida for school because of, like, how damaged they were from crack. There's zero evidence of this. That's just a lie. <laughs> yeah. That's just fucking wow. nonsense. Yeah. The former executive editor of the New York Times, a guy named Abe Rosenthal, writes a column titled The Poisoned Babies, where he he asks authorities to suspend parental rights for women who are addicted to crack. Um, Now, there's evidence as to what happens when you do that, and it causes women who are addicted to crack and pregnant not to seek medical treatment that allows them to provide adequate care for their babies, which is what does the harm more than the crack. It is not, look, controversial ground here. Obviously, not good to smoke crack while you are pregnant. Not good to drink while you're pregnant. There's a number of things you ought not do while you're pregnant. Also... Human beings for thousands of years in many cultures drank alcohol regularly with babies, and 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 those babies came out and were fine and learned yes, things, right? Yes. Um. Not, it's not good. There are health consequences associated to smoking crack in the womb. The de- data suggests the real harm comes from driving these women away from treatment and adequate medical care, which is what causes problems for the baby yeah, more it's than anything else. Care. Yeah yeah again yeah. i mean not good to smoke yeah. crack
4: with a baby no worse to do what we did i mean it's the same like it's such a uh just a like a parallel for even immigration issues like if i know you know what i'm saying that i you know a, a very minor completely treatable thing is if i would just go to the clinic you know go to the, the county you know, a hospital, it'll be fine. But if there are ICE agents at there, I'm not going to yeah. go. You know what I'm saying? And even when, even when the, uh, even during the whole like sort of crackdown, you know, under President Trump about federal, you know, you that mandatory reporting to like immigration from the police, why the police was like, I'm not doing that. And they're like, and it's not like I'm patting the police on the back, but I'm just just being logical here. And they were being logical. They're like, well, then no one's going to report anything because why would I? So then it's like, well, nah, I'm not going to tell I'm not going to report nothing, because if I do, you might deport me or think I should be deported. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that 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 uh, policy exacerbates the problem is what I'm saying is like in off in. And in so many other areas of culture, it's the same thing. It's like, I'm not going to shoot. I'm not going to do that. I'm not telling y'all nothing because if you do, that's going to happen. And that and then that avoidance exacerbates the problem. I said that already. But yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's where the issue comes from. In 1990, the New York Times's coverage peaked in a front page story that warned of an onslaught that fall of the quote first big wave of children exposed to crack in the womb. The journalist who wrote that article now acknowledges it as both alarmist and unsubstantiated, which is again, nice. But one of the things this does is that police, uh, and police unions and whatnot, and political figures start flipping out about crack babies. Like they're like, like it's a, like it's an alien life form coming to the planet earth to do us harm. And we have to ready our fucking guns to fight the invaders, right? That is how they, Talk about this. And as the paper of record, it was the Times' job to lead credence to these claims so that police and political figures can howl, including Joseph Biden, by the way, can howl about super predators and justify harsh new mandatory minimum sentences to stop the raging danger of drug crime. As the panic reached its peak, Congress passed a bill that included the hundred to one rule. This made it mandatory to assign a 10 year sentence to anyone caught with 50 grams of crack which is about as much crack in terms of weight as you would get in a fun-sized bag of chips. For comparison, someone caught with cocaine would need a full suitcase worth of high-grade cocaine to qualify for the same penalty. Yep, So to one. This is what, quote-unquote, destroyed a generation. To the extent that that actually happened, this is what does it. And I'm going to read a quote from an AP right up here. An associated press review of federal and state incarceration data shows that between 1975 and 2019, the U.S. prison population jumped from 240,593 to 1.43 million Americans. Among them, about one in five people were incarcerated with a drug offense listed as their most serious crime. The racial disparities reveal the war's uneven toll. Following the passage of stiffer penalties for crack cocaine and other drugs, the black incarceration rate in America exploded from about 600 per 100,000 people in 1970 to 1,808,000 in 2000. To 000, Sorry, the 1,808 in 2000. In the same time span, the rate for the Latino population grew from 208 per 100,000 people to 615. While the white incarceration rate grew from 103 people per 100,000 to 204. 42 so yeah you're looking at number one the rate at the start of this of this process the rate of incarceration for blacks in america is six times what it is for americans and then it
4: triples yeah it's so yeah yeah i think like uh, for the listener's sake i like let's let me go back to the 100 to 1 ratio in in that like so what we're saying is one ounce of crack gets the same amount of jail time as a hundred pounds of cocaine. Like I, or a hundred, a or hundred ounces. ounces yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah so yeah. one ounce of crack, same amount of jail time as a hundred. So if you ask, so if you, so just, I mean, come on guys, put your thinking caps on. If you got a one ounce of crack versus a hundred ounces. Okay. Which one of y'all you think is going to distribute the stuff? Who you thinks the salesperson? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Versus just <laughs> the user. Like I, I. You telling me we get the same jail time? Do you know how much money you have to have to have a hundred ounces of cocaine? Like <laughs> yeah. So just like like hear how sinister and purposeful this is. Like, we're not making this shit up. Like, this isn't... It's not a conspiracy. These are laws. Yeah.
3: Part of the reason why... Because this... One of the things that's happening here, as we talk about in our Bill Cooper episodes, is that a lot of the black community, and some of this happens through hip-hop, is embracing a a set of conspiracy theories. And we'll talk about that more. But part of why they're doing it... Because we talk... There's some stuff in there. There's some... Especially the Bill Cooper stuff that gets adopted by hip-hop that's not at all accurate. But... Part of why people would believe in conspiracies is that you could not seek to damage a community more. Yeah. than they then happens here yeah right like this it's surgically targeted yeah to hurt black communities black inner city communities like it's like it's like somebody dropped a bomb
4: yeah um, and when you're the saying way these laws are written. yeah and you're saying like am i taking crazy feels i feel like we being targeted like no you're not yeah. you're just not listen yeah, you're fine you're fine you just you don't have any fathers in your home you know what you just yeah. you're just like no i feel like well, no, you guys are just violent. Look, I mean, this is what's yeah. happening. You guys die more than us. You're, just, you're in jail more than us. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it's, but it's, I, it's, I'm trying to tell you, fam, like, it just don't feel the same. And it's like, yeah. so you're like, well, there's got to be something going on here. Yeah. And it,
3: it's worth noting, too, that this surge in arrests that we've just talked about, there is no increase in addiction treatment resources in these communities wow. that follows the surge in arrests. Yeah. Zero. I found an article in the Chicago Booth Review that analyzed a recent study measuring the impact of crack cocaine by University of Chicago professor Stephen Levitt and a bunch of other smart college guys. It attempted to determine what actual harms could be laid at the feet of crack as opposed to things like the legal climate around it. They concluded, quote, the destructive effects of crack cocaine were because of the prohibition itself rather than the usage. If crack were legal, the authors argue, there would not have been as much violence, Levitt himself added. Mm. All the evidence suggests that the violence is closely tied to the fact that the suppliers of crack, the gangs, were killing each other because they could make huge profits. Suppliers were competing. It seems that the consumption effects of crack weren't that bad in comparison to the violence. And therefore, while the effect of crack is not negligible, it is not as large as some of the doomsayers have claimed. Damn. It is not, the problem was not crack. If people, if... If all drugs had been legal, right, if we'd never had a prohibition culture, and in 1981, an entrepreneur, some Mark Zuckerberg type, yeah. right, in Oakland, had been like, I've invented crack, and, you know, has yeah. his Apple-type announcement for crack cocaine, yeah. there's some lives that'll be negatively effective, right? Some, some families course. will be harmed. It, it's not good. Crack is, again, I'm not a prohibitionist, but it's a gnarly drug. Yeah. It's not good for you to do. But what you wouldn't have is any of this shit. You would have some specific people that have problems with it, and some spe- like specific areas probably where it's more common than others. And there would be some gnarly yeah. shit as a result of that. But you don't have neighborhoods destroyed. No, I was gonna say like the,
4: the again uh, the lore around here is that like crack. There's 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 the the crips before crack, and there's the crips after you know and the the pre like we talked about this in the in the when we first met in the um black panther episode black Panther. yeah it's like they're just the children chris were the children of the of the panthers you know what i'm saying and knuckling up you know fist fights rough rough housing protecting their turf it crack is brought the guns Yeah. yeah and uh and yeah so like you saying that like is a yeah it's a big that that's that's so important to to understand that nuance. Ugh. And it's, I, I have to, I want to emphasize here. Like,
3: we had uh, in twenty twenty this this might be a good way to explain it. A bunch of because of the mix of this suddenly this social justice movement inspired by the murder of George Floyd mm-hmm. is is everywhere, is huge. There's protests. Yeah. There's also a lot of need as a result of the pandemic, as a result of issues relating from the protests, and you get a bunch of different community organizations in a bunch of different states raising huge amounts of money through crowdfunding, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a shitload of drama that comes from that. And we're talking drama because a 100 grand came in suddenly. So people who have never seen that much money money in their lives had a plan for it originally. And then shit gets gnarly between people because that's what happens when you introduce a bunch of money suddenly, Mm -hmm. right? With crack, you're talking about suddenly groups like the Crips and the Bloods who were very different organizations prior to crack looking at $30, $40 30-40 million dollars yes. that you can put down in a in a few yes. months, right? Like you can make that money fucking quick immediately. Um, yeah. Of, of course. Of course people get murdered. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> I know, right. Like like yeah, it's it's it, there's no other way for that to have gone. Yeah. Now, what's most interesting about the crack epidemic to me is what stopped it. After 1995, the link between crack and adverse social outcomes for black Americans disappears statistically. Mm. The only exception Is the homicide rate for black men aged 18 to 24 which remains elevated because now a bunch of different groups the Crips and the bloods and other groups like that have gotten used to selling drugs for money and making that a very gnarly business right and so yeah people keep murdering each other um but the other stuff we've talked about including like infant birth weight and stuff that goes away crack use in terms of overall quantity remained stable so the number of people, the amount of crack consumed does not decline after 95, but the negative effects due to it on a societal basis among the black community stop. And what's interesting is that because this is because the there's no expansion in the number of people smoking crack. What researchers find is that people who had been smoking crack don't stop, right? Mm-hmm. They continue to smoke. Um, but new users stop doing the drug. So... The people who are already addicted stay addicted because it is crack cocaine and it's very addicted, yes. addictive. But after 95, new people don't really start in, in significant population amounts. New people are not coming into the ranks of people using this drug. Yeah. The reason that the overall amount consumed remains stable is that there's a breakthrough in crack manufacturing, which makes the price plummet. So users are able to afford more and thus the total amount consumed is stable. But the amount of new people who are doing crack stops expanding. Levitt points out that the expansion of crack in the black community is halted not due to arrests or to fear mongering, but from social learning. Yes. What happens is the first generation of people who got addicted, it's bad. It's really bad for them. Yes. And yeah, their younger siblings, their cousins, their kids see this and are
4: like, wow, seems like I shouldn't do crack. <laughs> I am. Because uh, yeah, that's what I was explaining before. I yeah. am the product of that where I was like, oh, yeah i don't know if we should do that and like i said like hip-hop got together and was like Mm -hmm. with songs like self-destruction and like making sure we made using hip-hop we i wasn't i was five years old but hip-hop made using crack not cool in a lot of ways you know what i mean yep yeah and that's yeah um that's
3: that's what happens right Mm -hmm. and so you get You know, suddenly, you know, the the crack baby panic goes away because it was never really real Um, and because the age of crack users goes steadily up, right? The same amount of people are smoking, but they're they're not having kids anymore because they're older. As profitability Mm -hmm. drops on a per hit basis, violent crime around crack fell as well. It simply was not worth killing for the dollar amount of crack that people were likely to have on them, right? Mm -hmm. If the same amount is worth $10 instead of $250, well, maybe it's not worth throwing down over, you know? Um, and so in spite of everything the government had actually done, the problem got better in part because crack got cheaper and more available, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is for the people who are like, if all of this stuff had been legal from the start, we wouldn't have had a problem. That's strong evidence, right? Uh That like crack gets cheaper and the crack epidemic gets less bad. That's not the only thing. Again, a lot of this, as you said, is cultural. It's, it's the, it's the community taking agency. It's people talking to each other. It's people making wise decisions in their own self-interest. And it's people trying to talk to their fellows to get them to stay away from this stuff that's pretty bad for Mm -hmm. you. Um, And and it's one of those things, everything gets better in spite of the government, which if Ronald Reagan was a guy who actually meant anything that he said, right? Yeah. Um, Because he's the guy who's like, I'm the scariest words in the English language or I'm from the government and I'm there to help. Yes. If you're actually believe in anything as a conservative, this is a perfect example of that, right? Oh, the government just made this worse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like here's your proof. Yeah. Actually the free the free market did kind of solve this one. <laughs> Credit where it's due. This is a case Touché. where that kind of works. Touche. Um so the crack epidemic is well past its height by 1995, but it remained a common subject in the news and part of the repeated attempts by guys like Joseph Robinette Biden to expand the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. Black inner city communities were well in recovery by this point, but cracked was a fa- crack sorry, was a fact of life now, as were the tens of thousands of young black men serving decades of time for possession. And it was into this climate in August of 1996 that I, and again, 96, this is right when the crack epidemic is cooling off. Yes. Things are starting to get better. The black community is starting to breathe a little bit, yes. right? Um, August of 1996, a young journalist named Gary Webb publishes a massive three-part investigation under the title Dark Alliance, the story behind the crack explosion. Now, his employer is the San Jose Mercury, which is a scrappy new upstart paper. They had only a fraction of the budget of the LA Times, which is like the the fucking New York Times for Mm -hmm. Southern California, right? It's a big, it is a national level outlet, even though it's called the LA Times. Um, But obviously, you know, they've got only a little bit of the LA Times' budget and they've got none of the cachet. But what they do have is a working understanding of this thing that's probably going to be a big deal in the future called the internet, right? Mm -hmm. The San Jose Mercury figures out that the internet is where journalism can go viral. And they're maybe, you could argue, the very first outlet who ever figures this out in a meaningful way. <sighs> Matt Drudge is kind of right around the same time yeah. and gets a lot of this. He's a piece of shit, but he he he, he is kind of along those lines. Um, but the San Jose Mercury publishes this whole investigation, Dark Alliance, simultaneously, online and in print, which is, again, kind of the first time this has been done for a big investigation. This 1997 write-up from the Columbia Journalism Review's Peter Kornblue summarizes what happens. The long three-part series covered the lives and connections of three career criminals. Freeway Ricky Ross, perhaps LA's most renowned crack dealer in the 1980s, Oscar Danilo Blandon Reyes, a right-wing Nicaraguan expatriate, described by one US assistant district attorney as the biggest Nicaraguan cocaine dealer in the United States, and Juan Norvin, Norvin in some documents, Menendez, Cantarero, a friend of the fallen dictator Anastasia Somoza, who allegedly brought Blandon into the drug business to support the Contras and supplied him for an uncertain amount of time with significant quantities of cocaine. The first installment of the series, headlined Crack Plague's Roots Are in Nicaraguan War, opened with two dramatic statements. And this is quoting from the original article now. For the better part of a decade, a San Francisco Bay Area drug ring sold, sold tons of cocaine to the Crips and Blood street gangs of Los Angeles and funneled millions in drug profits to a Latin American guerrilla army run by the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh-oh. The second paragraph, which captured even more public attention, read, This drug network opened the first pipeline between Colombia's cocaine cartels and the black neighborhoods of Los Angeles, a city now known as the crack capital of the world. Oh. There it is. So, if you have ever heard, either in a conversation or most recently in a prominent TV show, The Boys, Mm -hmm. the claim that the CIA introduced crack to the inner cities, this is the origin point. This is 100% where that comes from. We made it. It all comes out of this article, right? Because this article is the first time that you have someone saying in a very condensed, clear form, The CIA brought crack to the inner city by in order to fund the Contras, right? Mm -hmm. That is that is the way this is. Now, that's actually not what the article says, because the CIA is not bringing crack anywhere. What the CIA is doing is allowing Nicaraguan drug dealers to bring cocaine into the United States so that they can sell it to fund a right wing paramilitary in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. That cocaine is then being turned into crack because that's happening at the same time. Yes, Um, but yeah uh, the claims Webb made in his article are a bit different from the version of the story that spreads kind of virally yeah. what he provides is evidence to support the assertion that quote a cocaine for weapons trade supported us policy and undermined black america now while the article did not show the articles did not show any direct stated intention of the cia to spark a crack epidemic it did lay out how the agency supported cocaine smugglers in order to fund the contras we're going to talk that in a minute, but the third article doesn't touch on the CIA at all. It covers what we've just talked about in terms of sentencing discrepancies between black and white people for cocaine trafficking and how that harms the community. Webb pointed out that Ross, who was black, received a life sentence without parole. Blandon, a Nicaraguan man, had smuggled cocaine in whereas Ross had sold crack. And Blandon serves just two years and then gets a bunch of money from the feds to be an informant. Um... <laughs> So the primary gotcha the story had was that it connected the two right-wing dealer not Nicaraguans mm-hmm. to the FDN Freedom Fighters and showed that they, somewhat inexplicably, had escaped a prosecution for a weird number of crimes. And this is the point at which I think we're going to have to bring things to a close yeah. for the day. Yeah. Because we've got... We'll be talking about in part two, Nicaragua, the Contras, all of this, how the actual yes. crack and... coke Well, the cocaine trade. Because yeah. again, this is... If you want to... It's one of those things where like the the inaccurate version of the story is the CIA brought crack to the inner cities. The ac- perfectly accurate version is the CIA allowed uh, cocaine to be trafficked in mass into Southern California, which was then turned into crack. Yes. And that's what caused the crack epidemic. Yeah. And then as payment, the for other it. accurate. Yeah. yeah. As payment yeah. for all <laughs> then, the other
4: stuff we talked about in my episodes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where if you don't understand it, you might just say the CIA smuggled crack into the inner city. If you really understand it, the summary is still the CIA brought crap yeah. to the inner city. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. a little more
4: detailed than that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, There's a few more steps yeah, in between, it, but yeah, the CIA yeah. did this. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the CIA is a bit, well, but also, I mean, and here's the thing. One of the things that I do think is frustrating, because we're going to, we're about to talk in part two all about the CIA and some other groups is, yeah, the CIA has got a lot of blame for this, but um, where I'm standing, not more than the New York Times. Ooh. Ooh. Right. That's, that's where I'm fucking standing yeah. here. And if not, and not more than Congress, yeah, right? Yeah, not yeah, one of yeah. the people passing these laws, yeah. right? Um,
4: that's where I'm fucking standing. That's, that's, um, that, all that's y'all. what it looks like to me. Oh, y'all. Mm? Multiple bastards. I yeah. love it, man. So. Yeah. Well, I don't love it, but you know yeah. what I mean?
3: That's <laughs> yes. awful. That's the crack epidemic in brief. Yeah. Um, prop. You got anything to plug here? Uh, maybe Hood Politics, the show
4: that we're doing. Yeah, this fun partnership with this week. Yeah, this is this is definitely like a you know a little a newbie thing to where we're doing like you know a collaboration on this where uh this story takes place in the context of the stories that we're talking about on Hood Politics.
0: Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health.
3: com. stream with Zumo Play.